Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a very interesting guest. I'm going to call him Mr. X because he wants to be anonymous. But uh, Mr. X suffers from anxiety and depression. And part of the project that the Finding Genius Foundation is working on is to uncover every possible treatment for anxiety and depression. So... I've been interviewing um, mental health professionals. Uh, the goal is to get to 100 or up to about 27, 28. And then I also wanted to interview, uh, you know, approximately 100 people that suffer in different ways, unfortunately, to get um, just a perspective on what's what's going on and what it's like to deal with these issues. So, um, Mr. X, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having well, me. Well, if you would tell me a bit about your, your background and history, like when did you first have issues with anxiety and depression? Stems way back. Of course, I didn't realize what it was back then, but thinking back on it now, anxiety and depression symptoms started back when I was in fifth grade, grade school. So what was it? What was it like? Like, what did you first experience? I don't, you know, I don't know if you understood it back then, but what did you start to experience when you were very young? I didn't want to talk with classmates as much. I made friends with I ended up making friends with like teachers and princi- the principal of the school and, and instead of my classmates at that point. So it was more anxiety, uh, social anxiety at that point. Okay. Would you know of any, did you say anything to like your parents? Did you have any ways to treat it? Like how did you cope back in the day when you, when you feel anxious, let's say? Honestly, I didn't. I I had one thing where I could just talk to my teacher, but that just made them more, more worried. So I kind of stopped doing that as well. It took a little while for me to even figure out what it was, nevertheless, how to cope with it. So back in my youth, it was pretty extreme depression, anxiety, looking back on it. And that it, what it stems from was 
basically being shunned by my entire class and therefore and therefore and i i didn't how the school structure it was k through 12 school but you could all there was the k through five was in a different section i ended up making some friends with fourth graders so a little bit younger than myself later in the year but there was a good six month period where i had no friends and just kind of went to school did my thing and went home and never really made friends with anybody in my grade as we moved up through the years. I mean, what, so what happened? It just became fear and then it was very difficult to make friends or, I mean, did, did word get around that you were a loner? Like how did this uh, evolve over time? All of the above is true, but middle school, I kind of, I, I made the, the friends that I made as they started moving up as well, I kept being friends with them. Middle school was really difficult because I had that very base set of friends of that slowly. Uh, and we, I, we lost some friends because they either moved schools or something like that. But it was, it ended up being me and one other person for a year and a half, if my memory serves. And then I ended up moving schools myself, going into high school. And by that point, I had realized what it was I was dealing with and started making coping mechanisms. On the other, on the flip side of that, uh, between eighth and ninth grade, uh, my parents got divorced. So that really shot it back down. And I almost ended up flunking out of high school because of that. And back in ninth, ninth grade or my, my first year of high school, they was flunking pretty much all of my classes and basically had to be unwillingly pushed to barely pass my classes that year. Were your, were your parents caught up in their own drama and that's why they couldn't help you or were they aware that this was going on with you? They were a little bit of both. They were attempting to help me, yes, but they were also dealing with what the divorce meant for them. Okay. And I mean, did you did you feel supported or did you feel like you had to address what was going on with them too and be like the adult of the whole family? Like what it more is, the latter. Yeah. More the latter. Uh it was kind of I I was trying to deal with the school life balance or school home balance, I guess you would call it uh, at that point, dealing with two different homes and school itself while I'm trying to learn and all that, and it just shot me into extreme depression. I couldn't go to bed at night. I ended up, I, I started to fall asleep in class and start to flunk classes because I was sleeping through them. And that that's really what, at that point, why I started to flunk out. I had somewhat of a similar experience. You know, when I was in you know, seventh, eighth grade, my parents got divorced and same thing. Like I remember going to school and thinking, what's the point? Because, you know, my mm -hmm. mom was saying we were going to have to move and or we'd be in the street or something like that, you know? So I remember being in eighth grade in the beginning and again, just thinking like, there's no point and just feeling like a loser and miserable that I wasn't going to be there and just that kind of stuff. So I guess I can understand a little bit your situation. I'm sorry you went through it. No, it's okay. It's, I, I don't want to say over now, but I've dealt with what needed to be dealt with at this point. If we could fast forward for a quick moment, how old are you now? Uh, I'm now 24. Uh, so it's okay. been a, quite a while uh since then since the first symptoms uh it's been a little over a decade at this point 
Oh, wow. How did things change and evolve as you turned, you know, 16, 18, and then 19, 20? Has it changed? Has it gotten worse, better? Like, what's been your progression since high school? There's been a good flow to it, I'd say, uh, some better, for better or worse. High school, I ended up making a few friends at lower and middle school, uh, more than just one, though, like I had. I just kind of stuck with that group. So that's kind of how I dealt with everything on a mental standpoint Standpoint at that point. Okay. Sorry for saying point so much. Oh, that's fine. And then I graduate. So, so that kind of was a, how I dealt with it for the four years uh, of high school. Right. Uh, ninth through 12th. And then okay. once, once you were out, did you go to college or what, what happened next? Before we continue. I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Once I was out, a lot of things happened that next year. Okay? The started to go to college, yes, but at that point, the home balance was getting strenuous, like going from my dad's house to my mom's house. And at that point, it was every week. I would go back and forth. And oh, so when, um, I guess you'd have to deal with what your dad was going through emotionally, what your mom was going through emotionally, what you were going through. So that probably made it even more of a burden is my guess. Yeah. And at that point, during that year, I went to college for, and during that semester, I, I, uh, 12th grade, I ended up flunk, flunking one class. It's the only class I truly flunked the entire, I, I had Fs during the year before, but I, I always dug myself out of it by the end, except that one. And that was That's pretty good though. One is not bad out of dozens, you know? Very true. Well, I ended up taking, so I was taking a high school course while I was going to college part-time uh, for the first semester. Um, I ended up passing the high school course and getting my diploma there. Uh, and then, but I ended up for college, uh, I ended up flunking every class. And I, I say flunking, but it was technically a D, which is still in college flunking. High school, I got Ds, which they accepted as a pass. In college, though, what was your social life like? Was it any better? Did you well, live on I campus? Or you lived at home? Worse. Uh, lived at home. Did not have any, well, I had my friends from high school, but we were seeing each other significantly less because, well, I wasn't there every day. And when I did go there, the teachers were starting to get pissy at me because I didn't go there and I was going there so much to just hang out with my old friends. And I, at some point mid-semester, I ended up, middle, middle of the first semester, they said, you're, you're coming here too much. And I ended up getting banned off campus. Was this banned from the high school or banned from the uh, university? Uh, the high school. My high school that I went to for four years. They, they basically said, you're no longer a student here. You can't be coming here three, mm -hmm. four times a week. And I'm like, but I'm not. I wasn't going into the classes. I wasn't. But, yeah, no, it was too much for them, I guess. 
I got you. Okay. And then, um, so what happened from there? Like, what you, did you continue with college, or did things change again? Like, what what, what happened? Uh, I did an, one more semester of college. Ended up flunking, and by that I mean straight D's every course. And went okay. This isn't for me. I started looking for a job after that. Around that same time that I stopped going to college. Uh, I, my mom decided that it would be good opportunity for me. She found something up in Alaska that was like a team building friendship thing that they had. I don't really know how to explain it. We basically what it was is we went on, uh, we went kayaking for a week and she basically said, you're going to this. Uh, mind you, I'm 18, 19 at this time. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Said, I don't really want to go. And she said, well, you're going. What was that experience like? The first week, week of that, what, what it was originally supposed to be two weeks, a week of the kayaking thing and a week of something else. I don't really know what it was supposed to be because it ended up getting canceled. Not enough people signed up or something like that. The, so, but the, my mom had already booked the flight, so I ended up being up in Alaska for that week anyway. Went into extreme depression during that week. The first week, it was fine. I was getting pulled out of depression because I was outside kayaking, moving myself. But that second week really hit me hard. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think I might have been 20 at this point. It doesn't really make okay. a difference. But the when I got back home, I actually... One thing happened there. I had some friends there and they texted me while I was out that they were getting kicked out of their house for some reason. These are now ex-friends of mine. And I said, okay, how much is it to bail you out? Like three grand. Wait, so what happened to get you into this trouble? So I'm up in Alaska in extreme depression because I'm up there not really doing anything. I've got no directives except wait for your flight in a week. Um, And I'm just like, my mom sent me up here for a week because she thought it would be a good idea. So I felt like it was. Well, you were obligated to do something. Yeah, exactly. I'm obligated to do something. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I have no direction. I have nothing. So I ended up just staying in a hotel for a week. But during that time, and I, so my friends at the time, I said, okay, because I did have the money, technically. Said, okay, but you do have to pay me back. Like, this is a lot of money to be asking for. We're no longer friends because they never paid me back. But so that happened. When I got home, though, I basically told my mom, like, not cool. Why'd you do that? Like, why'd you... She didn't have a good explanation. I don't remember what her explanation was because it was just like, to to me, it sounded like just excuses. So I, what I ended up doing is I ended up moving out of her house to my dad's house full time. And I was kind of done mentally. What, um, I don't know, like, were you, were you looking for jobs or were you just kind of aimless? Like looking what? at the job, at looking for a job during this entire thing. So this is in the middle of job searching just two weeks out in Alaska because she decided that it would be a good idea. I see. So 
when you came back, right, you were you were upset, obviously, because it was canceled, and then yeah, was you in- were mad at her and all that. And, and did she did she accept your your anger and your blame, or did she push it back on you, or what happened? One hundred percent pushed it back. She said it was basically, well, well, I asked you. This is not verbatim, but I, I asked you if you wanted to do this, except she hadn't, and she she basically was like, this was your choice. And when she realized that that didn't work, she she went down the route. And this is what she still does occasionally is I I purchased all of that for you because uh, she had to purchase a bunch of gear that was like specially zero degree Alaska weather type gear. And I'm like, it, it, was, it was along the lines of I never asked you to do this. You didn't have to do it. Therefore, please stop holding it over my head that you spent these hundreds of dollars on gear that I never used. Right, right, yeah. So then, okay, so then you moved in with your dad, and then what what was the dynamic from there? From there, I he gave me a little bit of a it was a month or two where he said, just calm yourself, get your bearings, get get your things moved in. Like he understood what it was, and during this, I I was trying to get deal with that depression and the fact that I didn't really want to see my mom at the time. Were you, um, you know, had you gone to a psychologist or psychiatrist or were you on any meds or what was happening with your, your mental health at that point? I had, I was going to a counselor person at that point. I, I don't remember the exact qualifications that they had. Okay. Um, you were, you were doing some kind of like talk therapy. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. And that was a suggestion of my dad, the lady who it was. And she helped to a point, but what helped more was a little bit of time away from my mom and being able to find a job. Okay. And did did the job help? And did you continue with therapy during the job or you stopped? I stopped because I learned that the it, it was becoming a little bit strange. My dad was going to the same person that I was going to, so she kind of knew it from two different views. Oh, Looking they're not back, supposed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not your fault. That's the therapist's fault. They're not supposed to do that, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I stopped going to her for that reason. Yeah, it makes total sense. In, in the job, were you okay with that? Was that good, bad, or did it just really like, did it make you feel more empowered or more in despair? In the beginning, it was good. I ended up moving. I, I was in that job for two years. And in the beginning, I ended up moving out of my dad's house and then into an apartment complex and then I met, ended up getting kicked out of that apartment complex a year later actually 11 months later technically because they were renovating and ended up going to another apartment complex a year later so that was all during that two years and the depression was less at this point during that two years towards the end I, my first day was 2018 March 15th. So exact, it was exactly two weeks after I had turned 21. I got that job and I was officially hired. That ended up lasting about two years to the day. It was a little, it was a smidgen less, but not by much. And that was because I ended up getting a, my current job. That, and I was looking for a job because the manager basically told me without telling me that I would never move up in the company. He never came out and said it because he physically couldn't. I could get him in trouble for that. But what he did do is every time I asked him, like, 
hey, is there a position open? I can move anywhere else. I'm willing to do anything else. Please move me up. I've been here for two years. What position did you want to do? My dream position was a meat cutter up in up in the meat department, but I was willing to go into any position because courtesy clerk was the only position where a you're stuck as a courtesy clerk. You don't have you can't go into anywhere else without a without moving up in the company, and b the only position where we never got raises. We were stuck at minimum wage. Okay, so I guess when you saw that this wasn't going to go anywhere, then what did you do? I started looking for another job. Have my current job, which is I'm I'm now shipping and handling quote unquote manager at a uh, small nutritionalist for lack of a better word. Yeah. What, what about um, throughout all this time though with the job and everything? What about your your social ties? Did you meet anyone through work or through school or what what happened with you there? Social ties the the people that I mentioned earlier they I met them through I I went to a game store. Uh, and went into a D&D session, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, um, and ended up meeting one of them there. Ended up meeting two or three of the people, thank you, so I can give you the exact number. It was two of the people that I currently met, currently I'm still friends with, I met there. Oh, okay. It was a group that they were part of, a separate group. So, but at least you, you weren't alone. While you were going through this job and, you know, with your dad and all that stuff, you had a few friends. So you did have some social life there, which was good. Yes. And while the depression was definitely there, it did help to have a few people that I could talk to. During that two-year search, it was a two-year search was what it ended up being through. And that's stop starts for various reasons. But from the first time when I stopped at college to when I got the job at Safeway, it was two years, approximately. And during that time, I was doing odd jobs, including one one for a person, a, a kid that I met there, uh, who's still my best friend. I ended up helping his grandma with a variety of things, including moving house and landscaping and just a bunch of whatever she needed. That was a once a week thing to make a little bit. Where are you at today with, um, you know, your mental health? And I mean, you're working, sounds like you had a decent job. Uh, you have a few friends, but in terms of mental health, like, did you ever go to see anyone for talk therapy again? Or like, how do you manage your condition? As far as the talk therapy goes, I've attempted to talk to, I've attempted group talks. I've attempted single people. Nothing really helps. And I, I, I've tried people with a variety of specialties as well. Exhausted every resource that I could find for as that goes. So are you essentially just self-managing or like when you get yeah. a, when you feel depressed, do you now, have you made tools to help yourself or like, what do you do? Do you prepare it anyway? Or you're just like, oh shit, here it comes and there's nothing you can do. More the latter. I, if coincidentally enough, I happen to be with friends, it helps a little bit unless what happens to, and and sometimes it'll come on just, you're depressed now because why not? And even if I'm with friends, when that happens, I can't really, there's nothing to be done. Yeah. I've been, you know, I felt down myself and I remember, I don't know where I was, but I remember I was in some bar or something with dozens of people and I felt totally alone. It was, you know, it was not good. So I, have, I guess I have a little bit of inkling, but what, um, 
I mean, you must have developed some techniques to get you out of it. Or are you more patient with it? Like, okay, this will go away after a day or two or a week or like, what do you do when you're in it? What is it? First of all, what does it feel like when you're feeling depressed? If, if you can sp- say, and then what kind of things do you tell yourself to help yourself when you're in it? What it feels like, it feels like there's a weight on my brain, not necessarily on my head or anything. It's literally on my brain. And it will, depending on the severity, it will range from, I can't move my head off of the sheets or the pillow to, I can, on a less severe level, I can move and kind of get stuff done, but I'm not going to be excited about it. But at least moving and getting stuff done is, does that, does that help you once you get in motion and get stuff done, even though you say like, I'm not going to enjoy it, but I'm going to do it begrudgingly. Like, is that better than when you just don't do anything? Yes, but more on the natural point of that's when it's lesser anyway. It doesn't help in and of itself, too. It's more a matter of 24, 48 hours. It'll be fine. What what does it feel like after the 24, 48 hours? Does it just like all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's gone and you're okay? Pretty much. Yeah. It's just actually it's not poof, it's gone. It's more, well, I'm feeling it less today. Have you um, done like a mood journal or any journaling to identify like if there's anything that's causing it or not? Honestly, I haven't actually done a like a physical journal. Haven't thought to do that. Honestly, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, maybe there's something in there. You know, I've I've heard some therapists talk about like mood journals and food journals and things like that to try to correlate. Like, oh, I didn't know when I eat cherries for some reason that it makes me feel bad a few hours later. For instance, I'm just making this up, but you might see something that way. So perhaps that's something you could look at. You know. Gotcha. Yeah, that, so, that's a um, good idea. I'll try that. Yeah, yeah. Do you reflect like so when you're when you're not depressed? Do you think about yourself when you are depressed? And do you like look at yourself and see yourself where you don't really think about yourself when you're depressed or not depressed? You just are in that moment. Yes, when I am. Like, depressed. like when you're yeah, like when you're not depressed, do you think about a past episode and relive any of it, or you're like, no, 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 I just forget about that. Or when you are depressed, oh. do you think about when you felt better, or can you not imagine that? I see. No, when I when I'm not depressed, I just kind of live in the moment and just be like, oh my god, it's a rare time. Let's live it up for as long as I have until the next. And what about when you back. are depressed? Do you think about when you feel normal, or can you not imagine what it feels like? I can't really imagine what it feels like when I am depressed. It's just well, I'm here now. Hmm, okay. After all this time, it's become a facet of it is what it is. So regardless as to whether or not I happen to be depressed today or not, that's just how I'm feeling. Either I can love it up and be happy or I'm living through the day and just kind of being there. Gotcha. So when you, when you again, do you, when you get depressed, do you try to characterize it? Do you, or you just know like, oh, this is a bad one. Or, oh, this one's not so bad. Like, you, when you, do you feel like you arrive at depression and then, like, look at it and characterize it? Or you said you, I guess you feel it. Do you feel it coming or you just feel the results of it? I just feel the results of it. I almost never feel it coming. It just kind of happens. Does it, does it happen while you're awake or does it happen when you wake up, for instance? Yes. I mean, legitimately can be either or. 
and it can go away throughout the day. It can come in the middle of the day. It it can just kind of be there or not be there throughout the day. I legitimately will never know. I've I have been working on whatever it is I'm working on, and then just randomly been like, "Oh, that's interesting." I'm not happy anymore. But you're not. It doesn't sound like you're afraid of it. It's like, uh, oh no! Shit, all right, you just got to deal with it. Yeah, hundred percent. Just deal with it. Uh, level. Uh, the the only thing that like when I'm thinking about it now, the only time a like incredibly severe ten out of ten depression, I can't move off the pillow level, is when I first wake up, and it's definitely worse at that point. About um, you know, like if your friends are like, oh, you're gonna come over tonight, we're gonna hang out. Do you ever like get depressed right before you go over or when you arrive? And are you able? I mean, do your friends know when you're down? Are you able to hide it? Do you try to hide it? For the first question, yes. I I could either be depressed and then five minutes before I have to go somewhere, be not depressed, or the other way around. It really is random. Uh, and as far as do they know? Yes, I have actually been asked like hey, you okay? You got to go home. Or like, are are you, my friends know that I have depression. One of my friends also goes through it. He's got therapy as well. Although I less so now, so I can't really say as well. But yeah, I've, I've legitimately been asked by friends, hey, are you okay? Have you taught them or have they learned how to be supportive? Like I'll give you an example. So, you know, my wife gets depressed. She's been like that for a long time. I used to say, what's the matter? And that wasn't a good question. Um, so I learned to change it and say, you know, what are you feeling right now or how are you feeling? And she'll sometimes say like, oh, I'm feeling really down. And I'll say, okay, well, thank you for telling me. And that seems to help just a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. instead of what I was saying before. So is, are there any phrases like friends or people that know you can say that help or don't help or make it worse or better? Make it worse? Uh, my friends, yes, there are phrases that they use to kind of go around. And I've got ones for for my friend as well that has that also has depression but we just kind of just go hey you doing okay right now or like like there's trigger questions that we have that's just like hey just checking in are you mentally there are you are you or are you going through an episode right now well what if you say yes yeah i'm just feeling like really you know anxious or i'm feeling really down like what what do they say then and or is like do people go silent or like, what What do you do when you say, yes, I am feeling sad? Here's an interesting, that's an interesting question that I've, I know this for, for, for me personally, I go home and just kind of sit through it because, and, and they know to let me do that because I, uh, if I, even if I stay there and like hang out with them, I'll just be a, a depressive and just kind of turn the mood down, but, and it'll go away as it does regardless. Oh, it'll go away like pretty quickly or will it linger well, for an entire day? As it does, meaning if it decides to go away in five minutes, that's fine. If it decides to go away in 24 hours, then, well, I was just going to be a depressive shit the entire night anyway. Well, what if you say to your friends like, hey, guys, I've noticed sometimes it's five minutes and I'm good. Sometimes it's like all night. You mind if I go outside for five minutes and see if I can shake it off? If I can, I'll let you know and then I'll go, you know, something like that. That might work. There are points where I will legitimately go home, wait 10 minutes, and just shoot them a call or text and say, feeling better. I don't know why. Okay, well, you know, 
and we, yeah, we maybe were... that's another another strategy is right then and there like get up and walk i don't know do something you know we we mm-hmm. legitimately live my my furthest friend is like less than five minutes from me so it's not an issue oh that's good yeah well it's good that they're supportive and they know how to interact with you and and all that stuff early on when you were feeling down would you i mean did you find yourself saying things that would push people away or was it just completely internal and your your way of dealing with it was, was just to leave early on yes i was definitely and i still do this occasionally but i try not to but yes i i will push people away either accidentally or on purpose just because i don't want to hurt them or if it's less of a friend but I still consider them a friend, maybe a newer one or something like that. I will just say, hey, I need to be on my own right now. And I, I'll push them away if they protest. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. When you're feeling, when you're having an episode, or I don't know what you call it, like, do you te- are there certain thoughts that you tend to think that happen only when you're down? And are they the same thoughts each time? Have you noticed anything like that? Same thoughts each time? No. But there there are thoughts that do happen when I'm, the more down I am, the more they occur. And that's more thoughts of like, I don't want to be on this planet anymore, or do my friends really love me, or really depressive shit like that will come on. Okay. Do you, uh, do you talk back to them? Do you say stop it, or no, or you know that's not true, or do you just let them... Like, is this, is this a voice in your head or is it just thoughts in your mind? Or like, how would you characterize what your experience is? Voice in my head, I'd say. And as far as like telling them no, honestly, as much as I try to tell, tell myself that it's not real, it's just a depressive episode. They have gotten the better of me occasionally when it's... Meaning like you, you believe them or you feel hurt by the sayings or like when it doesn't work, like what? What happens? The last time that it happened, what was going on is my significant other at the time was starting to scare me. Uh, so I, the thoughts went to, they don't love you. They don't, they're, they're just there to control you. They're just there to, it was those thoughts. And because I had the baseline fear anyway of some of the things that they were doing at that time, I ended up breaking it off with them during a depressive episode. So it did, it did get the better of me. And this was a few months ago at this point. When you, when you have these thoughts, do they, do the thoughts feel like they're coming from you or do they feel like they're yes. coming from like a third person? They they feel like they're coming from me. Okay. I gotcha. I, you know, I just wonder, like, do you ever reflect on, I mean, I mean, we're doing it now by talking about it, but you know, what we're doing, I guess, is we're reflecting on what you hear and think and feel when you're feeling depressed. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it would be helpful for you to say, like, like you know, you're saying, like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, nobody loves me or I shouldn't be on this planet or something. What if you said depression is telling me I shouldn't be here and no one cares about me? Or the depression is telling me that this person doesn't really care about me and they just want me because of this. Like, I don't know. It's just an idea for maybe to, to reframe it. Whenever your mind says I, you instead say the depression is telling me. So you're characterizing it as, like, a third party and not you. When I come out of it, that becomes significantly easier. While I'm in it, even if I try to do something like that, the, the thought is, oh, who am I kidding? Yeah, the sense I'm getting is like, it's like a, a hand trying to pull you down into a hole. And you're like, get off me, get off me. And then it's, you know, it's like, 
pulling you, pulling you, and you're like, oh, I guess, who am I kidding? And you go down into the hole. But uh, I don't know how to characterize it. I guess it's just, it sounds like some of the thoughts you have, I guess, are like suspicious, like you said, of your significant other. Oh, they just want to be with me because they want to control me, that kind of stuff. That more, it stemmed from a combination of things he was legitimately doing and the depression blowing it out of proportion. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So as an example, he he had just proposed. I had said no. They he he sent me a ring anyway, and I was freaked out. Ended up for a good reason, mind you, but still. And then I ended up going into a depressive thing because this, that, along with a few other things that were going on with the relationship spiraled me down. And that's one of the few times where I can actually say this spiraled me. So it does happen occasionally. But then I ended up just texting him and saying, nope, I'm sending you back the ring. I don't want to see or talk to you again. I'm sorry. Which I could have handled. The thing is, I don't regret breaking it off. I do regret how I broke it off. And because gotcha, it stemmed gotcha. from the depression and the fear. I appreciate you sharing. I know, and I know this is all really tough stuff. So I really appreciate you sharing this, by the way. And um, yeah. I think listeners will, you know, they're going to get a lot of insight from hearing it. So you're doing a good thing. So I just wanted to tell you thank you, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I guess, you know, just last, last couple of questions. So that was one time where, okay, all right, that makes sense. And that's what sent me into depression. Um, if if you go about your day and like let's say someone's a jerk to you at you know the coffee shop or something, will that or could that throw you into depression? Like, are there certain events or things people say where it's like click and all of a sudden off you go? Very rarely. I mean, I'm not going to say no. That would not be true. But I'd say it's even in arguments, it's maybe one percent of arguments that will spiral me most of the time because I don't know them. I can just have the words bounce off that 1% is they'll say whatever it is a phrase that will trigger me for one reason or another and most of the time I will just put down what I have and leave and then just go home and cancel plans for the rest of the day gotcha okay no I notice with myself sometimes if I have a an interaction I may be mad for a few hours and then I'm like mad at myself and I'm mad or some things, you know, will happen and again, I'll feel down and then I feel down for being down. So it's, I can see how it's like a, um, it's somewhat of a vicious cycle. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about spiraling down, like when you're in depression, does it feel like it has potential to get worse and worse and worse? Like, do you feel a pull to make it even worse and, and to intensify it? Or do you just feel like you're floating in depression land? It's more of a floating for me. There, There's not really much that can be done. And I might try to make myself laugh or something. Most of the time, it's just, all right, I'm going to be home alone and kind of not strain anything right now the best I can. The only exception to that is when I'm depressed and I have to go to work. I've been late because of depression, but I have never called out because of it. Good for you. Yeah, that's good for you. It sounds like you've been working on techniques and helping yourself for a long time. So that's excellent. Yeah, it's mainly experience at this point. But yeah, it, it it just kind of is more than anything. All right, gotcha. Last, last question: Is there anything you found that like knocks you out of depression? So you said very rarely something will knock you in; it just happens. But have you ever depre- been depressed and like I don't know, someone punched you in the face, or you had a run, or who knows, or something happened and it just knocked you out of it? I'm trying to think about whether or not that's. I I, I think the 
biggest pull towards knocking out of depression? I'd say that would be either being able to go over to my dad's house or getting a text from one of my friends saying, hey, do you want to come over? And it it doesn't always help to phys- actually physically go over, but the invite in and of itself sometimes helps. Okay. But there's no memory you have of, um, again, like something happening where it totally just completely changed your mood for the better. No. It, it will literally just okay. be... It, yeah, it, it's mainly just, well, okay, it's gone. That's good. And I, I've tried a lot of things that are supposed to help with depression, but none of them have truly worked. Hmm, yeah. There was one story you were going to tell me. Please let me know now. Let's, let's go over that. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Uh, so this is when I was 17. I was at my dad, or I, I was living at my dad's house at this point. I'd already moved out of my mom's house fully. But what happened, this is my first job, to put, to put in perspective, first job, I was working, I was sorting slash counting coins at a place that bought and sold uh, coins, dollars, other valuables one of those places and six months into my job the uh my my boss at the time uh a if I remember correctly 60 something year old dude asked me to go into the back to clean up something just some junk on the floor and as I was leaving I had the mop bucket and everything he ended up walking me into that room and basically back and forth a little bit he wanted to get into my pants and there was the the back and forth was no I really don't want you to do that Uh, and him saying well there was this other guy that let me do it and a little bit later I he he basically he dropped it for a little bit and then later that day I was just getting out of the bathroom and he came in ended up blocking me in the corner of the bathroom and basically demanded that I drop my pants and start filling me up. You should have taken the mop and be like, I'm going to mop the floor with you unless you get out of here. That's terrible. That was the last day I was there for obvious reasons. But my boss at the time, or my boss, my counselor at the time, I contacted her. I trusted her uh, back then. I told her what happened. Like, do I quit? Like, I was completely in shock that that had happened. Do I tell my parents? Do I quit? What do I do? Uh, Like, this is pretty important. And she directed me through that. There was, I I ended up telling my parents, I never went back there. Never, never. It's the only job I never gave in my. Oh, yeah, I understand. Crazy. And at the end of that, and this is part of the reason why I look for counselors, I don't really do it hard. She screwed me in that case. Uh, against him she put in she, she basically told the courts that while yes it happened no it did not change much based on her things what she had and she she wholeheartedly attempted or and attempted and succeeded to my boss who it, it was his first time actually getting convicted for something like this he instead of getting jail time and having to pay me out and whatever else he was going to do. I He had to pay me nothing, and he only got two years probation because of that, uh, but because of her. That's terrible. Her, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry, I thought I thought about this. Well, that, no, it's all right. 
I guess to tie it into the rest of the story, though, did this throw you into depression? Did oh, this yeah. affect you mentally? Heavily. The I refused to talk to my parents about it for two weeks, just to give you a general idea of how depressed I was. It took me a few days just to tell my counselor what had happened. And she basically told me, tell your parents, like, yes. Yeah. And how, how old were you when this happened, by the way? Uh, this was 17. Even worse. Yep. The, the quit, the two years that I mentioned before, that was the ending of this job and the beginning of single. I gotcha. Yeah. For, for the first part of that, there was, I refused to go to certain jobs that were not chain grocery stores or Walmart or something like that, where there was a, a union and a like heavy protection for the, the people because it scarred me. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, very good. Um, Mr. X, I, I mean, you really shared a lot of super personal stuff. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you wanted me to ask you before we finish? No, as long as you're happy, I am. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm happy. To, you know, I know it sounds ironic, but happy to talk about depression, but uh, very happy because I think it'll give perspective to other people and will help them by listening. So I think it's been a great call and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. You're welcome. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.